I was running late that day, which actually was a good thing because um, our HR director, Cullen, was having car trouble, and he had stopped at Newell's Garage about three-quarters to a mile away from our office, and since I was running late, he called me, and he was right on my path in order to pick him up and go to the office to work. And I got to Newell's garage and something was off. This place that's usually teeming with activity was quiet. There was no one and no movement. Well, I parked my van and got out because I saw Cullen's car was there, so I knew he had to be there somewhere. And I went into the simple cinder block building like many garages that you guys know, and there was nobody in there. There's a little room off to the side. It's your, your typical greasy office of a garage. And Newell and Cullen were staring in the corner of the room at a filing cabinet that on top of it was a 13-inch black and white TV. Eric, have you heard what's going on? No, I haven't. Well, this is live news. I wasn't there quite a minute before we watched the live feed there in Atlanta as the second plane hit the Twin Towers. Do you remember what you were doing where you were on that day? This day? 21 years ago? I want you to take a minute, no more, I want you to turn to somebody close to you in about 15, 20 seconds or so. I want you to give them one memory that you have of that day and then allow them to tell you. You with me? Okay, you may need to turn around to somebody. You may need to lean forward, but tell somebody, one of you, whoever's on the left, you be the first one to speak. Okay, get ready to change. Okay, if you haven't changed yet, just go ahead and make a change as soon as you can.
Okay, start to wrap up if you would. Give you about 15 or 20 more seconds. I would bet everybody in this room has a memory of that day. Well, nearly everybody. It has been 21 years, yes? We've actually had a, a whole generation that has grown up that doesn't remember that day except in your memories. And I fear that the impact of that day may be dying. Today, I want you to join me in prayer as we remember the fallen and we remember the wake-up call that that was for our nation. Though short-lived, it is a significant day in our lives. Amen? Stand with me if you would, please. Father God, 21 years ago, the unthinkable happened. We were a land of prosperity that had a long 200-year history of blessing, not only here and prosperity here, but blessing and conflict. And Father, you know the hearts of those that attacked our nation that day in all of the different locations. You're also aware of those who bravely stopped an attack by sacrificing their lives and having their plane go down before it hit its intended target. Father, you know of the first responders who gave selflessly of themselves, many of them never stopping to think twice. You know of the men and the women, some from all over the world, that were in those towers as they fell. Father, you know of families that have grown over these last 20 years without their loved ones, without aunts, uncles, without parents. You know how many orphans were made. And Father, we know That our world still needs Jesus. Father, we know that your people are supposed to be beacons of grace. Father, we know that our world was changed that day, but you were not. 
Your truth was not. Your love was not. Your desire for all men and women to come to you remains. Father, we pray for those who still grieve. And we pray, Father, that we may not forget that life is short, life is precious. May we not forget that living life in you and helping others to live life in you matters more than anything else. We pray, Father, that your spirit will continue to move among us and that you will stir us to share the name of Christ and your grace and mercy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. A young boy walks into his bedroom and it's dark in there. So he went and told his dad, he said, my light's not working. So you know what the dad did, right? He jumped right up out of his chair and said, I'll fix it. And he went and he grabbed a couple of tools and he went into his son's bedroom. And the first thing, the most obvious thing, he changed the light bulb. But it didn't work. So he went to the breaker box and he flipped all of the breakers. Did the light come on then? Nope. So he checked the wiring at the light fixture and everything looked like it was all okay. And he sat down in the floor with his son and was scratching his head, trying to think about what the problem might be. And about that time, his wife came walking down the hall and looked in and saw her son and her husband sitting on the floor in this dark room. So she reached into the wall and she flipped the switch and said, why are y'all sitting in the dark? There is a system in place for bringing light into a darkened world, into a darkened room, right? You may know something about this. You may remember this from from, uh, elementary school even. Basic little science. Now, you know, Ben Franklin may have discovered the power that brings us light, but Ben Franklin did not invent that power. It was already here all around us. Yet knowing the power was there, made it possible for Franklin and Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, and us to use that power in our lives. You know, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So let me ask you, what powers Your light. Now, we all know it's almost a Sunday school thing, right? We all know the true source of our power is God. 
Yes. He's the source of all creation. He made us, as David said, he, he knitted us together in our mother's womb. He gave us breath. Think about it. The word in Hebrew is ruah. It's the word for breath. It's the word that they translate as spirit. And he gave us the ability to channel his power. And friend, if your light is out or burning dimly, you don't need to change the bulb. But you may need a better connection to your power source. Over in 1st and 2nd Samuel and, and in 1st Kings, we read about the rise of the monarchy in ancient Israel. Saul, King Saul, all the way through the Babylonian captivity, all through that time, you realize that Israel had a power problem. They pleaded with God to give them a king. And and do you remember what it says? He pleaded to give them a king who was like all the other kings. And God said, you don't want that. They said, yes, we do. You remember what God said? He said, you realize that king's going to be self-focused. We want a king. That king is going to inscript your children into his service. We want a king. He's going to take taxes from you. We want a king. He's going to wind up oppressing you. We still want a king like everybody else. God told them that was the wrong power source. That they should follow him. But they remained insistent. In fact, maybe the better word is defiant. God being God and allowing all of us to make our own choices. Allowed them to have a king. So, King Saul begins a string of earthly kings, mostly bad though there's a few that were brighter than others. And the nation of Israel over time becomes discontent and divided. There is infighting, and eventually they split into two different kingdoms. Eventually, the northern kingdom of Israel is wiped out by the Syrians, and the southern kingdom of Israel is hauled off into slavery into Babylon. And in fact... If you want to see that cycle over and over again, just read through Judges because it happens over and over. Their struggle was not with the bulb, but their chosen power source. So I ask you, friend, who or what are you choosing as your power source? And is it working for you? Day in and day out. 
Well, if the problem isn't the bulb and it's not the power source, then it must be the wiring, that thing that, that brings the power source and the bulb together. Now, back in Bible days, they didn't have electricity. They needed to have a different metaphor. And Jesus came up with a great one, especially for an agricultural society. He came up with the idea of vines and branches. That was a great metaphor. You're familiar with it from from John 15. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Probably even sang that song back in youth group. The branch is fed off the vine, the vine is fed off the root, the source, the soil, the the power source, right? And as long as we're connected to the vine, the branch survives, right? Not exactly. Because if you actually read that metaphor, that parable Jesus is telling in John 15... He says that the branch has a job. Its job is producing fruit. What's that fruit? It's got seed pods in it, right? It's a seed pod. It is to plant and grow and create more branches, more vines, yes? The branch has the job of reproduction. And Jesus says if there's a branch that doesn't have any fruit, in other words, when its connection starts to fail, it will eventually be what? It'll be removed. I think he said something like cut off and thrown in the fire, did he not? If we modernize this, then Jesus is is the wiring between the power source, God, and you and I. And we have a purpose. Matthew 5, in that wonderful uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes the statement along verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel basket, but they put it on a stand so that it will give light to the world. And he goes on and talks about your good deeds need to be done before men in order to bring praise to God. Yet, when our connection weakens, When we do not maintain that connection to Christ, our light dims and resistance builds. Eventually, the bulb gets thrown in the trash. Friend, Whether we're talking about vines or electrical wire, the point is still the same. If we don't remain connected to the source of power and become fruitless and dim, we become 
of little use. In your relationship with Jesus, does the wiring check out? Are you sitting in the dark? If you're sitting in the dark, you need to flip the switch. Acts 19, round verse 2, Paul goes to Ephesus. And he finds some believers there who were first following John the Baptist and did exactly what John told them to do. They started following Jesus. And finding out how they came to Jesus, Paul asked, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's a good question, isn't it? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's kind of important. You look over in John 14. Going from that first sermon all the way to that last supper. John 14. Jesus tells us that the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. In other words, I'm not going to take it back. You can lose it, but I'm not going to take it back, right? Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Have you ever thought when you looked at this John 14, 26 through 27, that Jesus tells us exactly the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What's he say? It is to teach us and to remind us. In other words, a real move of the Holy Spirit is when we understand something we didn't understand before. And when he reminds us and convicts us of letting our light dim. So there is some connection between the guidance of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' peace. There's some connection between following God's leading and having peace. There's a word there that gets translated as counselor, which is a good translation. It's the word paraclete. It comes from from the verb kaleo, which is to call. And there's a preposition on there, para. You've heard of parallel. You, You know what parallel lines are? There are two lines that are what? Beside each other, right? Okay. Yeah, it's that idea. Those two are coming alongside each other. So a paraclete, going to a noun form of parakaleo, the verb form, is he is called out to come alongside, okay? Now, we've got to come up with some kind of a single word instead of a big phrase that gets that kind of thought across. 
Counselor is one of those. You know, there are some other ones. Encourager. Aid. Helper. Coach. Mentor. Right? They come alongside of us. In a legal sense, it could be a legal aid or an advocate, or as we would say today, because we don't use the word advocate that much, a lawyer who comes alongside to defend. Yes? There's even another word that fits here. Proxy. Because when you think about it, doesn't Scripture tells us that there are times when the Spirit comes along and prays for us when we don't have the words? That when we are connected to God, He knows what's on our heart. So important is the Spirit. When Jesus gave his final instructions, he told his disciples to wait for the Spirit. Over in Luke 24, we read this. Then Jesus opened their minds of his disciples so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, And repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send to you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the last chapter of Luke. Luke and Acts are like the continuance of the same story. As you start into Acts 1 in verse 8, we hear Jesus saying this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit brings power to do what? To share the good news of Jesus Christ. To be a witness that influences others as the Holy Spirit teaches us. As we gain understanding. As we are reminded of Christ. We have confidence to bear witness to the world. And it didn't take very long for that to happen. Because you remember in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were there together all in one place. And suddenly a sound like, that word like ought to tell you metaphor, right? Doesn't say a wind went through there. By the way, have you ever heard a tornado coming? Do you know what a tornado sounds like as it's coming? I can tell you, to me, it sounds like a freight train about ready to run through. And you can hear that without feeling the wind. A sound like a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, scholars today call that a theophany. 
what we would say in plain English, they were in that room together and God showed up. They saw what seemed to be, again, seemed, metaphor, seemed to be the flickering flames of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. That phrase, all the way through Acts, every time that phrase comes up and you read what's going on, you know what's happening? The gospel is being moved forward. God showed up and he moved the gospel forward. You with me? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled him. It's the term glosa. The primary meaning of glosa is this. It's the tongue in your mouth. You know what the secondary meaning is? A known language of men. In other words, they weren't speaking gibberish. They may have been speaking a language they didn't understand, but there is a communication that was miraculous and people from all over the world understood how in their own dialect. By the way, dialect, you know what that is? That's a known language of men of a specific people. And the gospel was moved forward. How it happened? I give you three words. Do you know what they are? I don't know. But I'll tell you what did happen. They clearly understood their sin, their falling short, and the way of Christ. Maybe we'll study that sometime. But you know what that was? What was happening right there? The switch was being flipped. That's what was going on. And Peter gives this wonderful sermon. In fact, we've got three of Peter's sermons, boom, 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 in a row over those next couple chapters. And in effect, boiling it down, Do you want the power? Do you want God's power? Peace of knowing that you're right with God. And you know how they responded? They say, what do we need to do? And Peter answers, repent and be baptized. Grammatically, that is a combined subject. It's not one or the other. They're combined. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of what? God himself. The exact same counselor, aid, mentor, coach that came upon those early disciples. And that promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That's us, by the way. For all whom the Lord, our God, will call. In other words, you know what Peter said? You know what you need to do? You too can flip 
the switch in your own life. That day, 3,000 men were baptized into Christ. We have the beginning of what we call the gathering, the church. Just a few weeks later, it's grown to 5,000. Just a few months later, the gospel has spread through Jerusalem and out into Judea and into Samaria and over into Asia Minor and into Greece and over in Italy. In fact, even church history tells us that Thomas made his way to China to the ends of the earth. And with that flipping of the switch, it was done. The circuit complete. Power of God connected through Jesus Christ by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit allows the power to pass into the light of the world, which now brings, burns brightly for all the world to see. Power to be Jesus' witnesses. Power to overcome temptation and the enemy. Power to walk the way Jesus walked. Power to take up your cross daily and to walk sacrificially through and by his name and to do it all in his peace. Which brings me back to that memory verse for today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled And do not be afraid. Friends, you know that evil has not miraculously left this world. It has not miraculously left our country. It has not left this state, this county, or this city. And in fact, these four walls... Do not keep evil out. Do you know what drives out the darkness of evil? God's people being the light of the world. So that very long sentence on your sheet. Peace with Christ comes from living in the peace of Christ and allowing his peace to shine out of us into a dark world that needs to know God loves them. That God gave his only son to die for them and then he rose from death conquering the grave. God has made the way for everlasting peace. Allow him into your life. Be baptized. Be filled and guided by the Holy Spirit. Because true 
everlasting peace is possible when we flip the switch. Father God, we thank you for the reminder that regardless of what this world throws at us, you are constant. You know the way of life, and you have given us the ability to find life in you and in your Son. We thank you for that reminder that you have promised that we do not have to face this world alone, but that you yourself will come into our lives when we give ourselves over to you. We cling to that promise, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.